welcome to Kitten Whiskers and Kanye, the podcast where we talk about the history of and take a not-too-deep look at our favorite things. My name's Audrey Stratton. I'm Carmen Thorley. And I love Rice Krispie Treats. <laughs> Are you eating one right now or something? <laughs> No, that would be really, really bad listening yeah, for our listeners. Really the they are, I mean, it's it's in there's, the name, right? Like, they are. that crackle pop in. Mm, I mean. Get past the pop filter, you know? <laughs> I don't know. Really Thanks for your courtesy laugh. Uh, no, no, that was, um, that was actually really good, and I did Thanks. not see that coming. I like puns that um, I do not see coming. Okay. All right. Yeah. No, that's fair. Yeah. You just don't like the ones that are just too easy. Okay. Yeah. Noted. Yeah. Which, to be fair, I always go for the easy ones, which does kill me a little bit on inside. Well, yeah, but you have to do it when you hear it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what are you going to do? Not say it? <laughs> <laughs> puns demand to be said. Yes, they do. They do. <laughs> yeah. No, I just I I just wanted to state for the record that I love Rice Krispie treats. I ate one right before recording, and like, mm-hmm. it's good. I think I think it's good recording motivation yeah. food. Like oh, I'm absolutely. in I'm in the right headspace now. Yeah, yeah, my sister used to eat those um, brand name ones in the blue packaging. She used to eat those mm-hmm. all the time, and I could not stand the flavor of those. So I actually really can only do homemade ones. Which isn't that big of a hassle because they're so easy to make. It's like literally three ingredients, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't talk about it because it was just not really, it didn't stand out too much. But mm-hmm. while we were doing our, you know, quote, pumpkin spice research, oh, I made right. <laughs> Rice Krispie Treats with the pumpkin spice marshmallows that Je- that Jet Puffed does. Oh, and, I remember yeah. eating it. Yeah, I gave you one. That's pretty good. And. Yeah, it was pretty good. It was decent. I mean, it was decent. Yeah, it hit the pumpkin spice spot, you know. It it did. Yeah, uh, but are I, you sick I don't of, know. Are you sick of pumpkin spice yet? Uh, no, no, me neither. Are you? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, actually, I had a pumpkin spice creme brulee yesterday uh-huh. uh, at Zupa's. Okay, and I gotta be honest, I ha- I had a I ordered a pumpkin spice latte at the coffee place on campus. And I don't know if they made it incorrectly or if something, one of the ingredients was bad, but it was just like the worst thing I've ever tasted. And so I am not so, so into the lattes right now as I am like pretty much anything else. Like sure. Work, you know, <laughs> like the bread that we have at work. Yeah. And you know who really could have used pumpkin spice in their lives? Who? The Greeks. I oh. think, I think Greek mythology would be, um... <laughs> Improved greatly if they had pumpkin spice in their lives. I think so, too. <laughs> I think Sorry, true. that was a really bad segue. No, but, but, it, but it was still a segue. And I yeah. mean, as long as we're talking about it, let's talk about it. <laughs> yeah, no, we're, we're here to talk about uh, part B of our Greek mythology episode. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to be addressing a lot of Greek mythology and pop culture, which... There's a lot more than you think. Uh, so much. So much. Yeah. It's fascinating. And actually, like, when we say pop culture, it tends to imply, like, modern things. But actually, no. the influence of, of Greek mythology has been shown all throughout history. Yeah. And, yep. uh, I mean, it goes as, as far back as, you know, the Romans appropriating it. Right. 
for and changing it. The... Yeah, the, and changing it to the names of like the planets. The planets are named after the Greek gods, but they're named after the Roman names for the Greek gods. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, so that I think that still counts as pop culture because those planets were named in our lifetime, you know, and they decided yeah. to give them the names of like really powerful mythological beings because they were really powerful space spacious bodies you know it puts a really interesting perspective on for example um gustav holst and um his planets suite uh Mm -hmm. if you've if you've heard that you know he wrote a whole bunch of music based off of the planets and while it does definitely have kind of a spacey feeling to it if you listen to uh particularly jupiter it has that really strong powerful you know forward momentum yeah it's massive and you know obviously jupiter is large but who was the greek god that was then renamed jupiter right right zeus the biggest Mm -hmm. one yep the king of the gods yeah when you think of it that way it's like oh okay no like this is a piece of music that you could imagine Zeus himself being like, I want that playing when I enter the room oh, every yeah. single time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's interesting you bring up that suite because I actually also want to talk about an album that Sufjan Stevens wrote about the planets as well. And also the Greek gods at the same time. It's really cool. Oh, cool. 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 Yeah. cool. Nice. Nice. Cool. Cool. Um, cool. We, uh, yeah, it's, uh, this is so, <sighs> I don't know. This is kind of an interesting topic because, like, we could try and go in order, but uh, I mean, it's just kind of everywhere. Like, oh, yeah. how do you go in what chronological order? order? I don't know. You know, I mean, with something I have, that's just everywhere. Yeah, I have a list of English words that were um, influenced by Greek myths and stuff. I like um, it. Yes. Let's do it. Okay. The English language has actually a lot of words that are derived from Greek mythology and Greek myths. I. I don't use them in everyday language, but I want to start because they're so specific, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, you, Mercurial, which is named after uh, the planet Mercury or the Greek god Hermes, means subject to sudden or unpredictable changes of mood or mind. And, you know, I like to think that's probably because Hermes ran really fast and maybe it's some sort of connection to that. Juno-esque. Juno is the Roman name for Hera, the wife of Zeus. Juno-esque means just beauty that is comparable to Hera, who was pretty famously beautiful. Not as much as Aphrodite, but, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't get to be Zeus's wife by, you know, being mousy. No, no. She's she's definitely doing well. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Herculean, uh, which is uh, after Hercules, of course, requiring great strength or effort, obvious, Mm -hmm. you know, for obvious reasons. Um, Then there's also the term uh, that Michael actually just used. We were playing duck game and he um, got creamed by me. um, Nice. And and he said, I had no choice. I was in between a rock and a hard place. And Uh uh that's an allusion to the Iliad, which is also considered a Greek myth, even though it's a very, very long one and detailed one written by Homer. Um, But yeah, that is an allusion to one one of the horrors that Odysseus faces while he is away from home. Right. Yeah, so I mean, we we use it. You probably hear it every day. Um, it just kind of it just kind of slips by. You just don't really yeah. think about it. Yeah, one of my favorite words is the word tantalize, or yeah. you know, when you describe something as tantalizing. That's a great um, one because of the myth of uh, Tantalus, mm-hmm. who decided to basically 
tease the gods and they didn't like it mm-hmm. uh, naturally because they were like, um, <laughs> you're human oh, and yeah. we're gods. What are you doing? <laughs> so they punished him, you know, naturally, naturally. And his punishment, and I'm not going to say specifically what he did to tease the gods because mm-hmm. it is actually absolutely horrifying. Absolutely horrifying. Yeah, I believe but it. <laughs> the the punishment actually kind of fits the crime. His punishment was uh, he was put between like a small body of water and then like a fruit tree. Mm-hmm. And anytime he got thirsty, he would reach for the water, but it would always move like just out of reach. And same thing uh, with the fruit tree. I if remember. he got hungry, he'd reach for it and like it would just move right out of reach. So it was always just really, really close to him. It's cruel. But he could never actually partake. Mm-hmm. And so when something is described as tantalizing, it implies not only, you know, very desirable drink or food, but one that is out of reach. Right. I like that. Uh, another one, if you have ever called someone a narcissist or have ever known someone that you suspect to be a narcissist, that word mm. is actually from the myth of Narcissus, who was so proud of himself and loved his, loved himself so much that he just stared at his reflection all the time. Um, you know, just kind of self-obsessed. And that's pretty yeah. much the definition of narcissism or the right. clinical, I don't know what the medical definition is, but it boils down to the same thing. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was another good one. So these don't make for very good movies, unfortunately, which is probably why, you know, you kind of have to seek out the the meanings of these mm-hmm. words. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, in modern times, we get lots of Hercules stories yeah. and lots of Jason and the Argonauts. And well, yeah, because everyone knows that those were like those those were the heroes, you know? Yeah. But yeah. the hero stories aren't always the best ones to listen to. They're they're. In my opinion, they're kind of all the same. They have the same, you know, structure and stuff. I don't know. There's just something a little bit more exciting about the lesser the lesser known ones that are just as exciting and weird, you know? Yeah, exactly. Although, I guess, to be fair, uh, as I mentioned, Tantalus's story is really not suitable for kids or yeah. for adults. It's just and not safe for life. Just no, say. it's really not safe for life. Like, I know that some of our listeners are going to go out of their way to look up the story. Yeah. And that's fine. Just yeah, fair so. warning. It's Yeah, I realized, nasty. honestly, we dived. We gave a warning with your um, not <laughs> Disney the fairy, fairy tales. tales one. But I did and not even think about giving a warning for this one. I know. I, I, know. I, I just didn't think about it. I didn't think about it either. We should have. Sorry, guys. Yeah, we really should. I'll go back and I'll, I don't know, add a warning to our yeah, episode yeah, description. Maybe. But yeah, uh, Hercules ends up being a little bit more family friendly. You you don't have to make quite as many changes to that, I don't think. Or you can make too many changes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Disney did that. <laughs> Disney did that. Did you see the, the version of Hercules with Dwayne the Rock? Johnson? Um, no, but I knew that it existed. I, I, I don't know why I have, I don't have any reason actually why I haven't watched it. I should by all, by, by all, you know, whatever, all things considered. I recommend, yeah. Yeah, I recommend simply because I know you're a Dwayne Johnson fan, but it's nothing like the myths at all. Oh, I doubt it. Like, at all. It's really, it's actually kind of interesting because in the movie, 
um, he's portrayed basically just as like a really strong guy. And there's uh-huh. always this like kind of underlying suspicion that he's lying about being, you know, born from the gods. Right. Which is fair. You know, I probably yeah. wonder as well. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but I also really like watching Dwayne Johnson in anything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just in anything. He's just entertaining. He's an yeah. entertainer. I also, I don't know. Do you remember the 2010 movie Clash of the Titans? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, looking looking at the cast list, you would think that it would be really you great. Think it has potential. Yeah, I mean, you have Ralph Fiennes as Hades, which, like, uh, I mean, yeah. the man who plays Voldemort as Hades, like, it just, it not sells. only does it make sense, but, like, it he's sells. got that role just down, doesn't oh, he? yeah, he does. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, Liam Neeson is Zeus, because apparently movie studios just can't stop casting him as, like, <sighs> god or godlike figures. Ugh. I'm looking at you, Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah, yeah. My goodness, I keep forgetting. I mean, it's pretty. It's it's pretty overt in that too, you know. Oh yeah, man. I just don't. I don't like the guy. I don't like the guy. Really? Yeah. I don't know what it is. Don't like the guy. I do. I do like his voice. Oh yeah. I mean, that's if he did relaxation tapes, I would be totally down for that. I bet it's there. It's out there. Someone has done it, or someone that can mimic his voice has done it. I guarantee it. The internet. Yes. Oh, Luke Evans plays Apollo. Oh, I don't know who that is. But he played Luke a Evans guest be- on beautiful. in the live action Beauty and the Beast. Oh. Yeah. Gaston. Oh, yes. He makes a very good Apollo. I approve. Yeah. So, yeah, like, by all means, it really should have been a great movie. And right. it just really wasn't. Sometimes it's just not meant to be. No. So, apparently, we've got to turn to books for our... <laughs> Greek mythology and pop culture. Mm-hmm. Yep. You mentioned last episode, uh, the Hunger Games, which huh. I like. I had not made that connection up until then, and yeah, I'm just really fascinated by it. Yeah, it's pretty freaky because it's, I don't know, any anything involving just like young people that just, I mean, you no know, one deserves it, but I don't know. It's just it's really sensitive and it's really sad. But uh, yeah, when King Minos built the little maze labyrinth and put the minotaur in there who was the half bull half human kind of freak of nature sadly <laughs> <Yeah>. enough um, <laughs> because king menos's son was beat in the games that were being held in athens he got so upset that he demanded that the city send um a number of youth over to the labyrinth once a year to entertain and ultimately be killed by the minotaur <laughs> lurking around and you know, it's kind of the same idea in Hunger Games where the president demands that two volu- not volunteers, two tributes is the word, from each district be sent into a enclosed area to pretty much fight to the death. And, you know, there's not a minotaur there, but mostly the spirit of the minotaur exists, you know. The, yeah. It's, it, it's, it's icky, you know, and it's, it's one of the nastier Greek myths. But, yeah. yeah I well, mean, I mean, you could argue that the, the game master in the hunger games is Mm -hmm. like the minotaur you know you know he's he's the one that is supposed to be putting mm -hmm. them in situations where they're killing each other that's true yeah he's the one that's manipulating it i uh i read a okay a little bit of a story so a few years ago i found this reading goal list that i was really excited to like try and reach every single goal yeah 
And one of the goals was to read a book that is set in your hometown. Mm-hmm. And of course, like, I just looked at that and I was just like, nobody's going to write a book based in Orem, Utah. <laughs> that's that's, that's not going to happen. <laughs> that's true. So I was like, well, okay, maybe I'll look at like any place in the valley. And I Googled and, you know, went on to page two of Google, which if you're on page two of Google, yeah. it's, you know, pretty much a dead dead endeavor you're digging so i was like okay i'm going to expand my research uh and i finally found a book that takes place in park city and i was like okay i'll read this and i'll i'll hit my goal and it was actually a modern retelling of hades and persephone and i am at the point now where honestly i'm just gonna hate read every single book yeah about Hades and Persephone. Yeah, it's upsetting. I came into these two episodes kind of feeling a little bit sympathetic for Hades. I don't know, because I think that's, I don't know. I feel like it's natural to want mm-hmm. to like feel bad for the, I don't know. But in the end, he really wasn't, he didn't have a lot of redeeming qualities. He no. was dealt, a, he was dealt a crappy hand, but it's the fact of the matter was, is he was, he's pretty terrible. Just yeah. like all of them though. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. You know, it's true. Yeah. The only good one was Hephaestus. I stand by that. <laughs> Look him up. He's awesome. So this modern retelling was actually, uh, it was actually kind of satisfying because the Persephone character, like she knows that she's going to have to go back to this underworld mm-hmm. and the Hades character is like not likable at all. It's weird because the book sets it up as like, oh, is there going to be a love triangle because her boyfriend is there and he's, like, trying to get close to her again after she disappeared. Yeah. And, but, like, this Hades character is this attractive bad boy. And, like, no, no. she wants to be with her boyfriend. Um, yeah, <laughs> just kind of like in real life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's how Weird how people want to be with, like, yeah, the people their they loved wanna ones. Be with. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. And then, of course, uh, as it was so, and this is why I bring up the fact that I think I'm just going to hate read everything. Yeah. So back in the Beauty and the Beast episode, um, this was cut out of the main episode, but I put it in our like deleted scenes. Uh-huh. Right. Um, I talk about a book called A Court of Thorn and Thorns and Roses, which is a retelling of Beauty and the Beast. Okay. And as I was looking through like references of Greek mythology and pop culture. I found this book that was called A Court of uh, Mist and Fury. And I was like, this sounds really familiar. And as it turns out, it is a sequel to A Court of Thorns and Roses. And it is also a retelling of Hades and Persephone. I was like, well, dang it. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't planning on reading it, but... Yeah. Again, you like got to now. It's it's the second in a series that I've already started. Oh yeah. And it's You're Greek it. mythology and like I just I don't I don't have a choice. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I don't have I, a choice. I understand. I understand. Yeah. Um we in in high school we read uh, Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief, which were they were really really fun. They are young adult novels, but they were actually pretty good representations of a lot of Greek myths that they were trying to. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. And the movie was really good too. I mean, it is, it is, I mean, I say it's young adult fiction just because it does just, it has that underlying, like, you know, Mm -hmm. teen drama thing, which I dig once in a while and I watch, but yeah, you know, it does, it does a really good job. It does a really good job of kind of 
telling the Greek myths through a it's 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 really bizarre. I I I definitely recommend them. They're really fun. Yeah, I so I went to the library to like check out a copy of it and mm-hmm. the library has like nine copies and they were all checked out. Yeah, it's like, popular. They're popular. Mm-hmm. So I'm really I'm going to put it on hold and Yeah, absolutely. you know, try and read that in an afternoon. I did watch the movie and honestly like if for nothing else Pierce Brosnan is a centaur <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> And like at the oh very my. least, even if you're not interested in yeah. watching it for anything else, like Watch it for Pierce that Brosnan movie. is a centaur. Mm-hmm. That's the <laughs> no, only but it does. Yeah, it does a lot of really interesting things, like um, a modern interpretation of uh, the Lotus Eaters. That was my favorite part. It's such a good part because you're like, oh my gosh, like that is how they would yeah. handle their, you know racket i guess (laughs) in modern times it's so good it's really good um also what what episode did we talk about cupid and psyche was it non-disney fairy tales uh it was beauty and the beast that's right okay because c.s lewis has a book called till we have faces and i have read that and it is based it's a retelling of cupid and psyche and it was also awesome yeah it's actually that's on my to read list and it's been on my to read list for like yeah. Years. You can borrow it's my copy <laughs> if you want. It was it was very good and I'm not even a huge CS Lewis fan and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. I am a CS Lewis fan. I think Screw Tape Letters is like oh, one yeah. of my top 5 favorite books. Yeah, just yeah, yeah. period. Excellent. So, yeah, it's it's good. So, I do want to read it. It's just a matter like, of time. I, I get so distracted by other things on my to read list. Oh yeah. Well, I'm I mean, like, if you're oh, yeah, anything like that. Yeah, if you're anything like me, it's like a list of more than 100 books. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, easily. My my Goodreads account does not accurately reflect exactly how many books I want to read or how oh, many yeah. books I have read. But even the ones that I have recorded, mm-hmm. it's like hundreds yep. of books. Do you record the books that you read? Like you write them down? Uh, you should look at Goodreads. It's it's a website slash mobile app. You? Okay. Yeah, it does. You can um, organize your books um, into different shelves. So you can kind of tag them. Mm-hmm. That's like, that's their word for tags is basically you can put them on shelves. Okay. Got it. And, you know, so I have, I have a shelf for like books that I would recommend every okay. single time to anybody. Books that are about vampires because I have read a lot of vampire Oh books. yeah. It's an entire genre of itself. <laughs> it is. Yeah. And then I have um, a poop shelf, which is a reference to a Kate Beaton comic. I will uh, link to that on the Twitter. Cool. Um, I have one book on my poop shelf, which is uh, Twilight by Stephanie Meyer. Uh huh. Yep. <laughs> Understandable. So I yeah, I I don't think I've read any other book that I'd be like, this is poop. Yeah. But the one, yeah, yeah. But of course, most references in pop culture are not quite so direct you know we're, we're talking about a lot of kind of interpretations like direct interpretations of myths but we see a lot of um <laughs> like naming in particular in in pop culture mm-hmm. that i find really fascinating the first one that i want to kind of get into is prometheus yeah a lot of people even if they're not familiar with the myth of prometheus have heard the name somewhere mm-hmm um, I think maybe the most recent and most popular reference would be the Ridley Scott film, right. the Alien prequel. Yeah, which, how'd you how'd you like that? Um, it 
was fine. Yeah, because I liked it, but Michael really didn't. But Alien is one of his favorite movies, so I think he. Yeah. Yeah, I think it. Yeah, that would definitely color your perception. Um, I so I'm like a spoiler. Like I'm pro spoiler as far as it comes to movies. Me too. Yeah, and I know a lot of people aren't. So as the movie was being like, like as the movie was in production and a lot of things were announced about this movie, you know, initially it was like, oh, well, here's a Ridley Scott film that takes place in space. But he kept on insisting, like, no, it's not an Alien prequel or sequel. It has nothing to do with the Alien franchise. And he kept on insisting this. And then, of course, you go to see the movie and you're like. Yeah, it is. But that's an alien. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's and totally. then he was like, oh, hey, it's an alien yeah. prequel. Well, <laughs> so, like, <laughs> the movie on its own is is good. You know, it's yeah. not great, but it is good. Yeah. And I enjoyed it, but yeah, I, liked it too. I have a really hard time watching it because of that whole thing of, like, it's not alien. Right. <laughs> Just own up to it. It's okay yeah. that it is. I mean, I'm not even pro sequel at all, but I mean, if it's a if it's or prequel, whatever. But if it's a good one, yeah, yeah. sure, sure, yeah. Anyway, so the sh- name of the ship in the movie <laughs> Prometheus is Prometheus, uh-huh. and it's supposed to be really symbolic of uh, this mission to find the origin of man. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Which, you know, going over the myth again, just really quickly, Prometheus was the titan that created man. Mm-hmm. That's right. And, and introduced th- them to fire. Yeah, which, of course, his actions in um, creating man resulted in his own punishment uh, at the hands of Zeus. So anybody who's familiar with that can look at the title of the film and be like, I'm going to guess that this is not going to end well for the crew. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, in creation myths, do you just have to include this huge theme of personal guilt for what you've done? Like, Eve? I think so, because um, humans suck. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I love humans, I do, but also, like, humans do also suck. No, honestly, relative to all the other cool beings out there, yeah, human beings are on the lower end of the spectrum. Yeah, yeah. I mean, on the one hand... We did invent Rice Krispie Treat. <laughs> That's true. We we did invent pumpkin spice. Yep. Point. On the other hand, Point the humanity. Korean War also happened. So, oh, you know. Yep. Deducted humanity. Yeah. Point deducted. So, I think it's fair. I yep. think to answer your question, I think it's fair to feel yeah. guilty for that. Did you know that Mary Shelley's Frankenstein is has a subtitle or the modern Prometheus? Oh, I had totally forgotten about Me that. Me too. Okay, That's so right. so why would why would Frankenstein be the modern Prometheus? Like, is he's he's terrified of fire? I know that, but I mean, well, and this is where you have to be like, okay, let's work through it. This is no. <laughs> this kidding. is this kind of actually physically pains me a little bit on the inside. Okay, because I have to be like. Well, actually. Oh, well, a hashtag. Well, actually. Well, actually, I'm actually wearing my glasses right now, so I get to like push them up the bridge. Push them up, push them up my nose here a little bit. Well, actually, Frankenstein (laughs) was the name of the doctor and not of the creation. Frankenstein's monster, yada, 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 yada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. I get it. (laughs) But thank you. Thank you for, yeah, thank you for that. (laughs) Yeah. The Dr. Frankenstein is the modern Prometheus because he did create 
life. He did create the monster. Oh, good lord! Of course. Yeah. Okay, you so, know what? I that just I gotta tell you that for some so I know that distinction. I know the distinction between Frankenstein, Doctor Frankenstein, and Frankenstein's monster. But for some reason, the title of the book to me was always still Frankenstein's monster. Like Frankenstein, mm-hmm. the title of that book represented Frankenstein's monster, but. Is it actually a story about the Dr. Frankenstein? Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's about both. I think that both characters probably share, you know, equal yeah, uh, weight as, as a main character. Yeah. 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 Man, One of my so favorite good. things that I've seen online is uh, somebody writing in on the very last page of their copy of Frankenstein. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, and as Frankenstein's monster drifted away, he said... And it's okay if you call me Frankenstein, even though I'm his monster. We still know what you mean. <laughs> That's kind of my feelings towards it. I'm just like, Kate, hey, I understand, but you did know what I meant, right? Right, okay. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah, it is important to... Um, yeah. But when you're talking about the subtitle of the book, it is important to make that distinction because mm-hmm. obviously the monster himself is not the modern Prometheus. Right. It is the man who created a new type of man. Mm-hmm. And even though he did not have a Zeus-like character to punish him for it, right. uh, he still was. He definitely definitely punished punished emotionally all all the yeah. ways. Yeah, that's yeah. a great book. And you know, while we're on the topic of Prometheus, he was a Titan, and I mean, Titans are so boring. Titans, titans are, the worst. are so boring. We've said it before; they're the worst. <laughs> they are, and it doesn't help that most people can only name like two. Titans, yeah. right? Prometheus is one, and then Atlas is the other, mm-hmm. and they're the most famous. Oh, there's another reference, Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand. Yeah, there's, which there's regardless one. regardless of how you feel about the philosophy in that book or mm-hmm. how you feel about Ayn Rand. That's an incredible title. <laughs> it is a really good title. <laughs> like, it gets the point across just it's so well. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's an impressive title. I agree. Yeah, but, you know... I, I think it is fair to say, like, as far as Titans go, even if you're just going to use the word Titan, mm-hmm. it gets the point across, mm-hmm. you know? It's big, it's powerful. Titanic. You know, if you want to... Mm-hmm. Yes, the Titanic. It's all over the place. Named after the Titans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a There's a, a tabletop game that Nick plays called Warhammer 40k, and they've come out with these models, and... Like, the average model is actually quite small. They're, like, maybe a couple inches tall. Mm -hmm. But they've released these Titans, and they are massive, you know? (laughs) They're just huge, huge models. And, you know, if you want to go into the storytelling aspect of it, like, you know, there's a a whole reason for why they have these gigantic robots. But they are called Titans. And so... You know, it's just kind of one of those fun little, like, hey, hey. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You're probably not actually Greek gods, but I like the gesture. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and actually, while I'm on the topic of games, I do want to talk about the Borderlands video game franchise, mm-hmm. which I love. I love that franchise so much. Yeah, I, I've heard you talk about it. Sounds yeah, awesome. Yeah, it was, it was the first uh, first-person shooter that I learned to play, mm. and uh, I will actually... You never forget that first one, don't you? No, no, no you never do. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually still play Borderlands 2 with Nick every once in a while. Yeah. Yeah, it's got massive replayability. I 
did also play, and you're going to hate this so much, Carmen, and it's uh, fine. Like, just fair warning, you're going to die a little bit on the inside. I, I'm the okay third with that. installment of the franchise is called the pre-sequel. And it's because it what? takes place between the first game and the second game, like chronological-wise. So, That's so it's, dumb. Not a, it's not a prequel. It's not a sequel. It's both. It's the pre-sequel. That is a cop-out. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even know how I feel about that. I feel, uh, yeah, that's that's dumb. The only thing worse uh, than sequels are pre sequels. I didn't yep. even know. I didn't even know that they existed, but they do. <laughs> they do. <laughs> now you do. And actually, fans of the franchise will all pretty much agree that um, Borderlands, the pre sequel, is the weakest of the three games. Oh, okay. But I played through it anyway because it's still it's, it's still, still decently fun. Yeah, yeah, it's still Borderlands. You get cool guns that do physically impossible things. Mm-hmm. You know, like shooting bullets that don't actually move straight and <laughs> <laughs> wonderful. Like, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. But the the reason why I bring it up is because in the pre sequel, um, the story is narrated by a character named Athena, and the goal of the game is to um, put the villain from the second game, his name is Jack, he prefers to be called Handsome Jack, in charge of Please. the Hyperion Corporation. Uh-huh. Uh. Uh. And the Hyperion Corporation is based on Helios Station. Oh, uh. I understand. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah, so if you, you know, aren't familiar... Um, Hyperion and Helios are actually both names of Titans. And in mythology, um, the Greek gods were the ones to um, wage war on the Titans and and Mm -hmm. bring the Titans down, which is foreshadowing for the second game, which was released before the third game. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But if you look at it, you're like, oh, okay. The narrator's name is Athena. She was on the side of the gods that took down the Titans. And so even though... uh, she is helping out at the beginning of the pre-sequel. Mm-hmm. She does eventually, you know, want to want to take him down at the, the very end of the story. Right. So it's just an interesting bit of uh, foreshadowing for the franchise. You mm-hmm. know, we're we're probably looking at Athena being a, um, you know, leader type character. Right. Um, uh, against. Knowledgeable. And, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, going against whatever the next big bad is. Right. It's great. It's really subtle and it's it just it gives you I don't know, it's it's awesome because it characterizes her without even having I mean it sounds bad, but without even having to work that hard. They're just like this character can be, you know, oh, yeah. we, we like, named you know, her Athena for a purpose. Yeah, you know exactly what her personality mm-hmm. is like without even having seen her in the game. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh so I've talked a lot now about video games but you mentioned that you have a musical reference that you would like to talk about and i want to hear about it okay yes so michael gets credit for just kind of like my sufjan renaissance because i did listen to him (laughs) when i was younger and i listened to his really folksy stuff and i really enjoyed it but i missed this whole period where he just turned really i can't even define it i can't define the genre but he got, he, he changed a lot and it's a completely different genre and I didn't think I liked it, but I did. I love it. He's, he's awesome. And he uh, made this album with a few other artists, uh, Brett Desner and Nico Moly and James McAllister. They were all co-artists. 
in this project. The album's called Planetarium, and the track list includes all of the planets plus some little interludes in the middle. And the if you read the lyrics, um, all of the songs are about Greek myths, and they're really subtle about it. It never says it outright, of course. But I mean, there's the song about Jupiter. It's called Jupiter, of course. And mm-hmm. the sound of it, it's like the music side of it. It's really, really powerful and really, really big and vast because that's kind of what Zeus was. But the man, the lyrics are really, really sad. And I know that you're probably not looking to be sympathetic with any of the gods, but it really, <laughs> it it really is. It, it makes me super emotional. It's a really powerful song. And he talks about Jupiter being the loneliest planet. And I kind of thought about what that meant for Zeus, yeah. you know? And I mean, <laughs> the phrase, I hate it, but the phrase lonely at the top comes to mind, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, uh, again, not actually trying to be sympathetic with Zeus here, but right. you look at people who in real life act kind of like Zeus does, you know, where he's definitely a bit of a player and he's constantly trying to assert his power and his position. Mm -hmm. And that's generally indicative of uh, insecurities, you know, some underlying insecurities. Yeah. Aren't those people just always the saddest and the loneliest? Yeah. 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 You know, uh, alone with everyone, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I think that's, isn't that a, Bukowski poem uh I don't know I don't know I'm I need to brush up on my Bukowski references there do you really need to brush up on Bukowski though yes I know I know he's gross (laughs) but I still love the man (laughs) I know he's gross I mean I it's you know it's the same with Kanye it's the same oh I I got it I got it in one alone with everybody yeah poem by Charles Bukowski oh yeah um, so another song on that track was for Saturn, and that was the he, it was the single he released before he released the entire album. And I didn't know how I felt about it at first. I I liked it, and it was really groovy, you know. And I don't know, it just didn't seem like it didn't seem like it had as much depth as the stuff that I knew that he was capable of doing. But it's actually a really, really horrifically accurate and just. It represents the story of Saturn, who, if you don't remember them, it was Saturn was the one that ate his children in fear of them overthrowing him, being more powerful mm, than Cronus. him. Uh-huh. And then um, that was when Zeus was born and actually he escaped that fate and saved all of his brothers and sisters. Um, so it's it's a really, really um, morbid and kind of gruesome theme. But this, the song itself is so sad. I, I don't know how he does it, but... He just makes you feel really, really bad for these really pathetic characters that don't deserve your pity, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just sad. The In Saturn, he repeats over and over again, tell me I'm evil. And it's, oh, it's so emotional because it's yeah. it's really good. And it talks a lot about the dichotomy between good and evil. And um, it's it's really good. I, I do recommend not only Sufjan Stevens, but this album is really interesting and it's really rewarding because the music side um is it represents i think the planets themselves like the the sound of it is kind of the scientific side of our solar system you know because he wanted to build this album as a tribute to the solar system (laughs) you know our our home and the music side of it is represents the the planets themselves like the imagery of space and stuff but the the lyrics go a lot lot deeper than that and it's a very rewarding listen i do recommend it Okay, nice. I'll have to look into that. Especially um, Pluto. I, I I know that you don't like Hades, but you have to listen to Pluto. 
Okay. Yeah, I mean, I can I can maybe step back from my uh, yeah. love-hate relationship with Hades yeah. and appreciate their music. Um, and I, I do appreciate that you have recommended Sufjan Stevens to me before. Yeah. Um, I enjoy it, and also my bunny Lemon enjoys it. <gasps> just wait really fun little tidbit there what song <laughs> yeah. like what stuff um it was illinois yeah that uh i i started playing it for her and it was a lot of like the big band stuff oh my gosh totally <laughs> i bet she, she got really all dancey liked. oh that's so sweet yeah yeah i mean not like super dancey but she was just like you know she was interested yeah she's a, a bit of a butthead my uh, bunny yeah. is not particularly cuddly but yeah if she shows interest in something i'm just like oh hey hey Hey, check this out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's take advantage of this. Yeah, um, that's, that's so. Awesome. Yeah, Sufian. Yeah, Sufian Stevens. Good for humans and for the bunny whisperer. Uh, yeah, <laughs> La- lagomorphs as well. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you have any other recommendations uh, if somebody wants to get their modern Greek mythology fix? Yeah, I. There's a lot of things that I do want to talk about uh, there's a lot of things that I want to devote episodes to a lot of topics that I really like but you know I worry about getting too like luxury and feeling like yeah. school um so sure. it's it's possible that we won't do it's possible that we won't do an episode on like really old literature whether it's like greek literature or old you know british i don't mm-hmm. know um but i the the divine comedy was one is is a really really interesting oh. read as well. Um, yeah. If, if you've ever heard the term of like the seven circles of hell, you know mm-hmm. that is a reference to the divine comedy, and it's a really really big poem. I, I guess it's mm-hmm. an epic technically, right? Um, yeah. And uh, it's it's really good. It's it's pretty weird, and and the other one that has kind of like a has a special place in my heart. You've definitely heard of it. it we talked about it already. The Iliad and the Odyssey. Um, mm-hmm. That is another Greek epic that is really, really big, but so, so chock full of battles and monsters and love affairs and all sorts of stuff. It is, it's, it's so, so good. And I, when I was in Japan and I was stranded in an airport in China for like 14 hours, uh, my phone ran out of batteries and I had no way to charge it. So I went to the little bookstore and one of the only books in English that they had was the Odyssey. And so I read the Odyssey. Oh, nice. Um, for that whole entire time. So it is, I, I was, I was really, really absorbed and it's, it's really worth the read. It's, it's an epic. Yeah. So it's kind of, it has a weird form, a weird format, but it has a lot of really, really exciting stories and yeah. great, great writing. Yeah. I, uh, I read an abridged version for my high school English class. Mm-hmm. And uh, while I haven't gotten around to reading the non-abridged version, mm-hmm. like it's definitely something that I would also recommend. Yeah. Uh, you know, whether you get the full version or an abridged version, um, I, I mean, you're gonna get the stories in the abridged version, right? You know, so if if you know, if attention span is an issue, like definitely, yeah, definitely pick up the abridged version because you you'll still get again the the gist of what happens, the goodies. Yeah, the goodies. Yeah, the literary. But I, I just I remember um, my favorite part of that story when we were studying it in English class was the the stories of the Cyclops. Oh, and yeah. uh, I don't remember exactly why it was my favorite, but you know, the, Odysseus is just such a a little piece of poop sometimes. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> he really was though. And, 
I think that was one of the stories where I was like, boy, you are walking on a very thin line there, buddy. Yeah, like (laughs) basic decency, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. And actually, um, so in just a really a small detail of that part of the Odyssey, um, Odysseus ends up shooting the Cyclops in the eye, right? Blinding it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This might be this might be a loose reference but in zelda breath of the wild um you have to fight henixes at times and the only way to like really defeat them and knock them on their butts is to shoot them in the eye and so oh, yeah, yeah 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 and maybe that's just what you do with one-eyed creatures maybe that's just kind of like known that that's what you do to defeat mm-hmm. them but also maybe it is just a subtle nod to the cyclops in the odyssey maybe yeah yeah maybe uh we need to prepare for our inevitable you know post-apocalyptic future <laughs> Um, I, I, I honestly, earnestly believe that, uh, Adventure Time is probably the best, uh, representation of what the post, post post-apocalyptic future is going to be like. Everything will be colorful and and everything will be And and mutants, everything's mutated. There's like three humans total. Totally. Uh, and yeah, I think that we, we really need to be concerned about becoming proficient with, uh, (laughs) swords and with bows and arrows because... And one-eyed monsters. (laughs) yeah. Yeah, I, I think that that's probably going to be an, uh, an inevitability. Yeah. So Start training now. <laughs> yeah, do it now. Now, granted, like, we'll be long gone by the time we get to the post-post-apocalyptic, but, like, right. but start we can, the tradition now. We can teach our children. You know? Yeah, we can, we can prepare our offspring for the future. <laughs> oh, that was bleak. I'm I sorry. It. I thought it was funny. I thought it was funny. I mean, even if our listeners don't, I thought it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. So yeah, Odyssey, I'd recommend it. It is a big it's a it's a big bite, but it's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um what about you? Do you have any recommendations? Uh yeah, and this is a little bit more it, it's not quite so directly related to Greek mythology, but I think it's worth checking out. I would recommend checking out the Sandman series by Neil Gaiman. Mm. It's a it's a graphic novel series. Uh so it's it's a little bit different if you're not into comics, but right. Um, I've talked to people who like just really can't get into comics and I was like, okay, no, you got to try this. And they've tried it and they've said, okay, yes, this is different. I like this. Oh, Um, I'm intrigued. And the reason why I think about it uh, in Greek mythology is because the main character, um, his name is Dream. He's one of Mm -hmm. the endless, but he is also referred to as Morpheus, Mm -hmm. which is the uh, Greek name of the, you know, god of of dreams and sleep. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a fascinating read because it basically um, creates this world where all mythology exists. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's not just one version of one culture's, you know, idea of creation Uh and gods and mythology. Pretty much just wherever you go, like whatever they believe myth that culture has like it was true oh so it's it's yeah it's really exciting and it's not like a fantasy setting it's actually mostly takes place in modern times yeah and the the story focuses again on dream and uh his trials and uh a lot of he makes a lot of mistakes trials. and i think that that's yeah sounds he, like the hero's journey <laughs> yeah yeah he it's he does have to go on a hero's journey, but it's it's very Greek in that uh, he makes a lot of his own mistakes. Yeah. 
And as he tries to fix them, he faces a lot of, um, you know, opposition from people who really just don't have any business (laughs) in opposing him. Right. Right. (laughs) But they do it anyway. Um, And actually, I mean, this is getting way off topic here. Uh, This version of Lucifer in in the Sandman series Mm -hmm. was the inspiration for the Fox show that is going on right now. Um, if you've seen the show Lucifer, um, oh, I had never even heard of it. Yeah, it's it's interesting. The premise is that uh, Lucifer is tired of running hell, and so he goes to Los Angeles to become. I mean, he becomes kind of a bit of a player, but he uh, falls for this detective, and uh, he follows her around and he helps her out. Um, it's just it's. It sounds. I awesome. think it. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's clever. It's based off of that character. Uh, from from Neil Gaiman's graphic novel, mm-hmm. so I I recommend uh, checking it out. Um, Dream has seven, no, he's one of seven. Uh, endless. Uh, they're kind of the, I hesitate to call them gods. Yeah, because they don't exactly like exercise their power over people. Uh-huh. Uh Like it, it's not their job. They they can, uh-huh. but they don't feel like that is the purpose of their existence um cool they're just more ideas personified so (laughs) there's dream um destiny delirium destruction despair desire and death wow they nailed them all it's lucky that all of the you know key themes in our life start with d (laughs) yeah yeah it's uh Fascinating how that works out. <laughs> anyway, I talked a way a long time about that, but it's something that I'm actually really enthusiastic yeah, about. Absolutely, is that series and and you know, regardless of whether or not the uh, Greek references are explicitly made or mm-hmm. if you just kind of pick up on the little things here and there, um, there's definitely some some Greek mythology absolutely references and themes. I think that's the fun part is kind of looking for it. You know, yeah. So I uh, I don't think i have anything else i mean okay theoretically we could keep going for a very very long time right i mean i yeah but i think i covered all of my kind of favorite references yeah i did too uh you did too yeah okay great so i'm just gonna go ahead and remind everybody that you know if there is a greek mythology reference that you want to share with us mm-hmm. feel free to tweet at us at kittens and kanye or you know, start. We'll start a conversation on our Instagram mm-hmm. uh, at with, Kitten with Whiskers it. and Kanye, mm-hmm. or email us at Kitten Whiskers and Kanye at gmail dot com. Mm-hmm. We really, really, really want to talk to you. Yeah, we really do. <laughs> We're lonely. Yeah, yeah. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna talk to the fan, the fan in New Jersey. <laughs> you said right, Rhode Island. Rhode Island. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Oh, I, I didn't mean that. The... I didn't even mean it that way. I just, yeah, you're from Rhode Island and you're special to me. So I remember you're from Rhode Island. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, thank you for recording with me today, Carmen. Yeah, no problem. Um, you know, I'm going to go eat some pizza, I think. <laughs> oh, that I think that's good. the plan yeah. for the rest of my night. <laughs> I'm really nervous that my stomach rumbling has been picked up by the microphone a couple of times because <laughs> I, too, am in need of some food. It does pick up. It, it does pick up a lot. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Well, let's go eat. Okay. Uh, my name is Audrey Stratton. My name is Carmen Thorley. And this has been Kitten Whiskers and Kanye. Bye.